0: Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. For our next stop on this adventure, we are chatting about the idea of masculinity with award winning Army Commando turned life coach Dan Stanley. Throughout his career, he has coached hundreds of men to become better, more purposeful, more productive, more courageous, and higher performing versions of themselves. He has a proven record of enabling other men to succeed in life by helping them to achieve their goals whilst living balanced lives and experiencing positive well-being. Dan has learned, grown, and developed into a man he is today because he chose to become a better, more courageous, more loving, caring, authentic, aware, and more aligned man. In this episode, we talk through the ideas of masculinity and how that's evolved through the decades to where we find ourselves today. Dan also highlights the key five challenges of masculinity and how men at any age can look to battle these challenges. This is a really, really inspiring and informative conversation. So no matter who you are, there will be something you can take from this podcast. I also usually say this at the end, but I want to say it at the beginning. If you know someone who you think would like this podcast just as much as you do, then please forward it on to them, get them involved in the community, and let's grow this outside and active audience. It would also be a massive, massive help if you left a positive review on this podcast. It really, really helps us, and we like hearing from the audience. And also little things like following the podcast, downloading the episodes, going back through and listening to the back catalogue of the amazing guests we've had on, all really, really help. It'll mean that we can get on some more amazing, amazing guests that will be really, really interesting to hear from and really interesting to chat to. So anything that you can do to help makes a massive difference. We also want to say a massive thank you to ZenB, who are one of our two podcast sponsors of this episode. Are you dreaming of warmer days already? Purchase any product via uk and use the code BARSA at checkout to get 20% discount and be entered into a prize draw to win a trip for you and a friend to see FC Barcelona play a home game this season. Complete with flights, hotel, meet and greet with the players all of this amazing stuff what's more if you're heading to the national running show which is this weekend then make sure to come and visit Zenb stand for some free Zenb pasta and a chance to win a luxury hamper worth over 500 pounds you can go and find out all about their products now at Zenbe.co.uk. Also a massive thank you to Man Broadbent. Man Broadbent insurance brokers have over 60 years of experience in providing insurance to the sport, dance and leisure sector with a trusted professional team that provides a personal service. They're experts in winter sports travel insurance. So get a quote today by heading to their website at manbroadbent.co.uk forward slash sports hyphen travel hyphen insurance. And with that, let's get straight into this episode of the podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast where today I am joined by Dan Stanley. Dan, hello, how are you doing?
1: Hi Dom, I'm very well and I'm excited to be here to share my message. Good, fantastic. Well,
0: I'm looking forward to getting into this conversation and we've had loads of guests on the podcast that have interesting stories and that can provide value, but this conversation I'm really, really looking forward to because I always love it when listeners can take something from the podcast away with them or be opened to their minds be open to something that they've either not thought about before or not really looked into a lot and whether that directly affects you or whether it's just a piece of information that you didn't didn't know before. So I think this conversation will will uh, tend towards that. But before we jump into you, Dan, and all of those messages and, and, and the stuff we're going to talk about, the first thing I actually have is a piece of advice for you. And it's a piece of advice that comes from someone who's been on the podcast before. And that individual is uh, a man called Bruce Fordyce, who is a South African ultra runner, an incredibly talented ultra runner, who was also part of the team that brought park run to South Africa as well as made it a a success over there. And his piece of advice for you is to not be afraid to be slow and don't be afraid to be ridiculed. Just go out there and do it. Now that's in a running sense, but obviously you can transform that into any sense of life of, you know, don't be afraid to go and try something new. You know, people might judge you or you might not be good at it to begin with, but the best thing that you can do is just to go out there and do it. So the question around that is, how do you take that? How do you take that uh, piece of inspiration from Bruce?
1: Uh, I, I think this, it's a great stepping off point, Don, because I think there's so many important messages from being outdoors in the world of sports that translate into day to day life. And, and and that first part that Bruce's kind of advice about don't be afraid to be slow. You know, what, one of the things that I found in my own journey, both personally and professionally, is that that. People often find consistency boring because there's no immediate wins, but uh, not being afraid to go slow, whether that's in, in your running or whether that's in your life. As long as you're making consistent progress uh, and you're kind of dialed in as to where you want to arrive at, then, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a great piece of advice. Actually, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really sage piece of advice, given that we're coming towards the end of a, of a calendar year uh, and lots of people are probably in a reflective space
0: definitely. And I think there's a sense within society at the moment that you need to be, if you're going to try, if you're going to do something, you need to be right up and the best at it straight away. And we're very impatient as a world at the moment. So I think it's it's a good piece of advice that people can take um, uh, from Bruce as well. And the second question for you is what do you love about being outside and active?
1: For me personally, uh, it's, uh, there's many things I love about it. it. It enables me to reminisce about my childhood from, a, from, from holidays spent in a, in a Lake District, in a Peak District. Uh, it creates a, a, a sense of a space when I choose to be alone in nature and outdoors uh, by myself. Sometimes I will run or walk and I listen to podcasts or audio books and sometimes I'll just be alone with my thoughts and, um, and just use that space to, to, to reflect and to consider my, my journey where I'm at at the moment and particularly where I want to be in my future. Uh, and as part of no doubt our conversation today, we'll, we'll talk about a community project that I started called Meta Mountains and um, being outdoors with a, a group of like minded men, anywhere from sort of 20 to 40 men out on the hill, kind of having good, honest, quality conversation for me is, is is a deeply connecting experience. So, yeah, kind of when you when you presented that question, Dom, it took me back to my childhood uh, and, uh, and kind of, I suppose, in many respects, joins the dots all the way to where I am today.
0: So, lead, leading on from that, growing up in that part of the country, obviously the, the outdoors and nature is on your footstep. What were you like as a youngster? Were you sporty? Were you engaged with the outdoors?
1: Yeah, I grew up in the northwest. I wasn't quite fortunate enough to be in the lakes, but uh, our family holidays—a lot of those were spent uh, either heading across to, 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 the, to, the, to the Pennines or, or, on occasion, going up to the Lake District. And so many memories of being in and around kind of. Uh, the, the Honester Pass area, uh, Seats Holler and Scarfell—all those kind of, you know, sort of iconic areas in the Lake District. For for me, kind of, I suppose, in, instilled values into me about the appreciation of being outdoors, about kind of being able to to manage my, myself in in often arduous situations, which undoubtedly prepared me very well for when I joined the military. And uh, yeah, uh, my my childhood was spent mostly. Mostly outdoors. I wasn't ex- exceptionally gifted academically, but uh, I-, I tended to be able to turn my hand to-, to anything sporting. So whether from rugby, from the kind of, the, the-, the- I suppose, the brutality of rugby, uh, both codes, league and union, all the way to the dexterity of perhaps tennis. I, I-, I really enjoyed being outdoors and, uh, yeah, kind yep. of... I didn't expect to go here actually today, but already there's lots of fond memories coming back from my time at school, the teams that I've represented, uh, being outdoors. And, uh, and recently, very sadly, my grandfather passed, and uh, he was a, a real advocate of being outdoors. And when I was putting some photos together for his his eulogy and wake uh, one of the things that i came across was lots of photos from my my childhood and uh, you know r- running around jumping over peat bogs and kind of throwing rocks into into streams and uh, being on the side of fells so uh yeah I, if people are listening to this and can't see it at the moment i've got a huge smile on my face so yeah. thank you don
0: i was just gonna say yeah I, I literally was gonna say if you can't see there's um the, the massive smile on your face you can see the joy of thinking back to those to those memories and being outdoors and i, I spoke to someone before on the podcast before jay who said when did we stop having those you know those feelings of i want to go and climb a tree or jump in the mud or do fun things when we did when we were younger when did it become not acceptable to do those things i do accept if you saw a a grown man climbing a tree in it you know in a park it might look quite strange but actually that that fun element is still there and so i just thought i picked up on that but yes i could see the, the joy in your face at the beginning of this podcast will be an introduction around who you are but i yeah. i want i want to get it in your words of who is dan stanley and how would you describe what you do now and the journey that you're on
1: yeah um I'm going to start with a quote, Don, and um, I, I think this is probably the, the best way to articulate who I am and why I am the person that I've become. So, uh, Einstein said that adversity introduces a man to himself. And um, in, in 2017, to the outside world, I was kind of a, a man doing well. I was a retired, award-winning army commando, a national sporting champion, and uh, you know, I was a, a successful in terms of business. I was married to a beautiful woman. I was a, a new father for the first time. And uh, to the outside world, everything kind of looked like, you know, I was playing, like ticking the boxes in the the things that society expects us to accumulate as we go through this kind of uh, journey of life. Uh, But the reality was that I didn't really know who I was. I felt unfulfilled. Uh, I was kind of just getting caught up in societal success, uh, earning money and spending that on on, on success symbols that people associate successful people to have, like a detached house and a German car. And uh, the reality was that, I kind of felt almost shameful that I kind of collected all of these things. I'd achieved all of these these accomplishments by the, the grand old age of kind of thirty four, thirty five, and uh, felt felt really unfulfilled. I felt as though I didn't I, I didn't have the ability to communicate that I wasn't sure who I was or even the fact that I was enjoying my life because everybody else was kind of living in this kind of this this rapid pace of, of, of life and societal success and I kind of felt that something was off for me and uh, I didn't communicate it I didn't talk about it uh, unfortunately I kind of fell back on the kind of conditioning that lots of young men experience and that I manned up instead of opening up and uh, that the adversity that I experienced nearly cost me my marriage and my sanity but uh yeah the, the space that I created on the other side when I realized that you know, I wasn't the only middle-aged man that kind of is living this kind of life, but actually felt a real sense of a real sense of lack uh, and almost kind of an imprisonment because I kind of created a wave of momentum in a certain direction uh, that I kind of felt like I couldn't really get off the the wave that I was riding. But uh, inevitably, I did. I'm sure we'll go into some facets of that today, and I'm really happy to share my story. But ultimately, who I am now, I am a facilitator. I enable good men to live better lives, Uh, and whether that's through my coaching practice, which is called Better Men, through the work that I do with Men and Mountains, my community project, or through the book that I've just released called Rethinking Masculinity. I'm essentially, I believe, making it permissible for men to to take stock of where they're at and to to choose to live differently. Because I, I really believe that, you know, Life's a journey. We only get one, 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 one ticket. Um, and if we don't use our time wisely, ultimately we'll end up at a place of, of regret and perhaps sadness on the, the an opportunity that we've missed.
0: Loads of things to pick up there. But one of the things that I'd like to highlight to begin with is that, that going through life, picking up different societal or personal gratifications, like you said, the car, the house, um, you know, a, a wife, a, a partner. But... That realisation of, okay, maybe this isn't actually what's, you know, am I really happy, that that questioning of everything, is that a gradual thing or is that something that one day you wake up and it hits you like a ton of bricks?
1: What, what a great question. Am I really happy? Well, am I really happy? Uh, I, I think it's kind of a, a gradual thing. I, I think that Although we're talking specifically here about the agenda as men, what we're really talking about is societal issues. Because you know, almost the, the 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 outdoors is, in many respects, is is the polar opposite to the the life that many of us are are now conditioned to live, and uh, you know. I I think that's a great question. Something that I I, I often ask when I'm speaking is, you know, very simply to start an engagement and a conversation is why is it that so many professionally successful people aren't happy in the lives that they live? And I think the, the the answer to that question is that we're out of alignment. The things that make humans happy and fulfilled and give them this sense of purpose, uh, they're almost now things that we just take for granted. Uh, our health, our happiness, our relationships. You know, very often we, we just get caught up in, in the busyness of life, that we just don't commit any time, effort or attention to the things that actually make a life worth living. And that it was Socrates, uh, you know, all going all the way back to stoicism. He said, be the barrenness of a busy life. Uh, And I think because so many of us are busy now, our lives are barren.
0: And we sometimes ignore those important elements of life, whether that be social interaction or exercise. Like you can, it's so easy to go through, you know, when you get into that hamster wheel of a career and going towards something. And again, like I said earlier, there's that pressure at the moment to really be on top of everything and reach that next promotion or whatever that we forget the interaction interaction social, like productive social interaction outside of work and getting outside and being active, that, that falls falls below all of those things. And I think it's really interesting. I want to go into this later, but um your book which you kindly sent to me, uh in part of it was talking about how actually and we've had this from again from Jay on the podcast before, that when we meet people, the first thing that we talk about is what do you do for a living? And yeah. what what do you do? Yeah. What's your job? And you quantify someone based on their job rather than what actually might be making them happy. And I yeah. found that found that really interesting to think about. And um, yeah, how, how do you find I mean, your job before embarking on this journey was quite active uh, award winning commando. But for people that are not in that lifestyle, what's your suggestion for how they can how they can bring those priorities back up to the top?
1: Yeah, um I, I think a, 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 perhaps a, a starting point would be to be able to define success in our own terms. You know, stepping away from societal success about collecting these societal symbols and, you know, even the language you use around like the trappings of success. You know, it's lonely at the top. You know, all of the, 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 the words and the vocabulary kind of give a, a lot away. And, uh, and often because we're in that, pe- that fast, rapid pace of life, we don't slow down and actually consider what would make us successful. Uh, and I think there's a juncture, particularly around that kind of 30 to 40 age bracket, where if we kind of get caught up in a rat race, where we're kind of being promoted, we're earning higher sums of money. If we're not using that to support the type of life that we want to live, but we're spending it on bigger mortgages and, and more expensive cars, then ultimately we can f- kind of trap ourselves in a rock in a hard place. This feeling of wanting change, but feeling unable to take any or make any. And Tony Robbins, uh, the, the kind of personal development guru, he, he says uh, the ultimate failure is success without fulfillment. The ultimate failure is success without fulfillment. Uh, and that's why it's really important that we can define success. And uh, that that piece around, you know, self-care has become such a meme now on Instagram or TikTok or, or, or dare I say, even on LinkedIn, where I'm pretty active. It's um, people just take it for granted. But for me, in the book, when I'm talking about self-care and putting it in a way that's, that's tangible for people to kind of really to to really make it a priority in their own lives, uh, there's four key areas for, for me, Don. The first is sleep. And, like sleeps like a Swiss army knife. You know, if we don't take the opportunity to, to put our head on a pillow uh, and have a, a full night's sleep, even if it's just seven hours, you know, that the business of our mind and the franticness of our lives is going to catch up with us. Um, nutrition, you know, again, it's a cliche. You know, people, we've been told you are what you eat, but it's true. Uh, and if we're snacking on convenience food and fitting meals in between emails and this fast paced life, inevitably our body's not going to have the sustenance that it needs to, to really perform and to be healthy. Uh, on top of that, there's movement. And uh, for me, movement's medicine, which is why I love being outdoors so much. That can be as simple as just taking a dog or my children for a walk in the woods at the back of the house, or it can be out on a walk with men in the mountains. But I really do believe that movement is medicine. And the fourth part of this for me is around connection. Um, you know, it's the, the happiness Harvard, the, the Harvard happiness study looks at what is it that makes a life worth living? And it's one of the, it's a longitudinal study that looks at men's lives between the ages like 20. And I think a few people got to 100 by the time they kind of closed the study off. And they were looking at what makes people... What enables people to enjoy their lives? And also, to me, happiness comes from connection with other people. So that's the fourth pillar. So sleep, nutrition, movement, and connection. And I think if we get those four things right... And we really choose to make them a priority. Uh, and the point around priorities is that they can shift. There's going to be times in our in our lives where work has to take preference, or there's a family commitment that that means that we maybe have to not train or not do something in a certain way. But having the flexibility instead of the rigidity around how we live our lives is really important. And I think if we concentrate on those four areas that the sleep, the nutrition, the movement, the connection, you know, we, we live a life that's worth living.
0: It's, it's interesting. I mean, those four. If, if you again the focuses on those four will, will will help people just to re- start to get those real lines and and then obviously it's not about rigidness flexibility and it's interesting what you said earlier about how people go through that again that uh, hamster wheel of life and they get to a certain age where they're then uh, earning a certain amount of money and and but not feeling that fulfillment i mean i've seen in your social media statistically that the demographic of forty to fifty nine year old men are the most anxious and the least happy in the UK is, do you think this is because they're getting to that point where they are financially secure and they're starting to be in that, you know, that that upper epsilon, you know, hopefully of, of life where they're then realizing, oh, actually I've been going nonstop, almost tunnel vision. And now it's all starting to hit home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the foundation of of societal success is built on sand. Um, I think in that age group, kind of that range, 40 to 50, there's a a real recognition then that we end up at what Tony Robbins calls the ultimate failure, the success without fulfilment. And uh, and it comes back to, you know, that, that formative conditioning that we all experience, Dom. And, uh, you know, I think people will be able to really connect with this because whether it's through societal conditioning, educational conditioning or parental conditioning, there's an expectation that boys uh, will be a certain way. Uh, and, and I kind of look at this through three distinct labels. The first is that we are to be strong. You know, this this kind of. <laughs> this narrative that, you know, boys don't cry and, uh, you know, man up, you know, big boys. All this kind of conditioning we're experiencing in our formative years kind of makes us believe that we have to be strong all of the time. Um, but when all you've got is strength to overcome the challenge that life creates for us, if all we've got is, is strength and we haven't got any left, then ultimately we're going to fall really short. Uh, the next part for me is is to be silent. You know, it's a bit a little bit like Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is that you don't talk about it. It's the same for men. You know the kind of superficial exchanges that people have either in, you know, in, in in bars or coffee shops or you know around the water cooler at work. You know, how are you? Yeah, not too bad or okay or you know could be worse. You know, it's so superficial uh, that we kind of reinforce that piece of our men not talking, which which actually is a complete fallacy. Uh, and then the, the third part, which is really relevant to what we're talking about here, is that men are expected to be the breadwinners, uh, and even though in um, a quarter of homes now across the UK it's actually the 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 female or the the wife or the partner that's actually the breadwinner you know men are still conditioned at a young age that they have to be successful and that's why so much of our identity gets caught up in in our in our profession or our occupation and it's like you know like you said earlier when people are introduced to each other you know it's all what do you do is a very quick question that comes around and it's like almost a way of quantifying whether somebody's worthy of our time or whether we think that we'll connect with them but uh you know, never when I've been outdoors on the side of a fell on a mountain has anybody ever said to me very quickly and short, in you know, short proximity, or oh, "What do you do?" You know, you know, that's just not even relevant when you're on the side of a mountain. You know, you're talking about where you've been, what you've experienced, perhaps other adventures that you've encountered. Um, but uh, you know, what do you do for your occupation just isn't in the isn't in the conversation. Yeah, I've re- I want to put
0: uh, a pin in that because I know we're going to go into a certain direction with that idea of masculinity. Okay. I've got questions to ask around that, but almost in a similar vein, but I want to also bring it back, to, back to you so people can still get that idea around, around you, who you are and what has brought you here today. I mean, you've sp- sporting champion and you've played rugby, you've been a businessman. I could, like I said, army commando, there, there are different elements that can be quite masculine and fueled environments what effect do you think that lifestyle particularly in the army because we've had people that have been in that industry and have yeah. come onto the podcast before that effect had on you and what have you learned from being in those areas
1: yeah uh, i i think that it's it's I'm really uh, against the the idea of masculinity being toxic, but I, I do feel it is dysfunctional. You know, when we're talking about the challenges of of, of modern day men, like you mentioned then that the, the quote from the book or the reference in the book that men age between that, that age range are the most anxious in the UK. Also, that between the age of 46 and 49 is the most average age of divorce. Uh, more men now get uh, prostate cancer, that women get breast cancer, but very few will talk about their experience with prostate because of the shame and embarrassment, the stigma uh, that comes a lot associated with that kind of uh, disease. So, uh, so yeah, kind of, I don't really distinguish any difference, though, Don, between military, sport, uh, and corporate. Uh, I think there's all this kind of competitive edge where the person that sacrifices the most life ultimately climbs the ladder faster than anybody else or gets to the top. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such a cliche, isn't it? But we need to make sure the ladder we're climbing is against the right wall and it's worth climbing in the first place.
0: It's interesting you brought up toxic masculinity and you kind of started to touch on your idea around that because that's a, that's a phrase that's thrown around a lot at the moment. Yeah. So what's your thoughts yeah. around that?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, uh, when we look at statistics around modern day masculinity, for me, it's it's, it's a real concern um, not just for the, for the men of our era, but ultimately what we're going to pass on in the form of our legacy. You know, what will we be remembered for the men uh, of today? You know uh, our 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 crisis arguably could be the pandemic, Uh, um, and when we look at the off the back of the pandemic, the kind of the concern now around kind of poor mental health, around financial instability, we've got war in Europe. You know, for the first time in 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 decades, it's you know such a challenging time to be a man, Uh, particularly now with you know the, the the change culturally and societally now with female empowerment, which I'm a real advocate of. I think that you know the whole piece around polarization is a mistake. You know, we shouldn't be championing. Just one gender and oppressing the other. We should all be lifting each other up. And uh, and yeah, I, I got a real issue with when people say masculinity is toxic because masculinity, for me, is a certain set of traits that's passed on from one generation of men to the next. And uh, and and I think that the dysfunction of what worked for men of a previous generation is dysfunctional for ours. Proving our worth through our work now sets men up to fail, particularly in that second half of their lives where they've ticked a lot of the boxes. But they haven't got any of the feelings they expected to accompany their success. And then because of the conditioning we spoke about earlier, they're strong, they're silent, and successful lots of men are kind of floating around that middle age bracket with a a real sense of uncertainty about who they are and who they want to become in their futures. And it's almost as if, well, I've ticked these boxes, I've achieved these goals and now I don't know who I am. And I'm almost afraid to set new goals and to put myself out there because this has felt like a failure once. What happens if it feels the same again? So, uh, so yeah, kind of when I was, when I was, Writing, rethinking masculinity. The first chapter really cemented my belief around the dysfunction of modern-day masculinity, and I focused the first chapter um, firstly around the conditioning we experience, but then secondly on what I call the top five challenges affecting modern-day masculinity. Uh, And the first one for me is workaholism. Uh, Workaholism and burnout—they kind of go hand in hand. Lots of people don't realise it, but the the kind of the attachments to work uh, and the over-indexing of their professional career over over areas of their lives uh, actually means that they're probably work. But they've never really realized it. Uh, and when we look now at statistics around burnout, somewhere at any given time, actually depending on the time of the year affects how people feel in terms of burnout. Maybe the weather's got a part to play with it. But somewhere between 35 and 40% of uh, of UK professionals feel like they're close to burnout or burned out in the past. You know, it's quite an astonishing statistic, wow. really. Uh, after burnout, because we're overworking and we're underliving, uh, which is a real belief that I have from the work that I do, uh, a lot of men end up lonely in their own lives. You know, kind of the friendships that they formed either when they were through either the the youth or through uh, university, you know, kind of in many cases now that 10, 20, even 30 years ago that these friendships were were closely formed and tight. But because people just don't have the time to commit to the friendships, they, they end up in a place where they, you know, they either stay at a very superficial level because there's no real depth or intimacy in those relationships or they actually feel very lonely. And the, it, was the, it was the the charity Mind uh, published some anonymized data, uh, and in that data it said a third of u k men um, don 't have a best friend, which for me is wow well, you know it 's really painful because ultimately when we when there 's some kind of adversity in our life whether it's a bereavement or job loss or you know some difficulties in a relationship you know we we want to have people stood by our sides our friends to to support us through those so between workaholism loneliness the next one on top of that is poor mental health because when we don't have a safe space to to show our experience uh, and whether that is just to vent how we're feeling or to seek some advice and support you know the reality is that we can become fearful of our future and anxious or we become regretful or uncertain of our past and then become depressed um, because we're not dealing with any of the issues we're speaking about here, Don, lots of men like I did end up in midlife almost and have this kind of crisis, this loss of identity, this uncertainty about is their life, is the life they're living right for them? Uh, and then because we don't talk about the midlife crisis and we'll usually try to numb it or avoid it or or, or just kind of avoid the reality of our situation. You know, for those that are married or in relationships, there's a, a likelihood that they will end up in a place of divorce because their wives will be looking at them or their partners are looking at them thinking, well, where where is my husband or my partner gone? And most often, Dom, he's probably gone into his head and never come out trying to overthink and cerebrally force his way through his life problems. But the, the the issue of that is that, you know, our, our thinking creates our experience and our, our our reality. So if we're not thinking new thoughts and we're just marinating ourselves in kind of procrastination and rumination, then we're just kind of in this self-perpetuating loop of, of problem, problem, problem uh, with never any solution.
0: It was interesting you you presented the five key challenges in almost a chronological order of how they may start to manifest over time and how it's not all of a sudden these five issues are hitting you all at once it might drift through like you said working hard getting burnout burnout then feeling that loneliness and then your poor mental health starts to work into it which then leads to midlife life crisis divorce and it's it's really interesting because we're, we're speaking about it but uh, you know it's actually sometimes can be a process and look it might be things that hit different times in individual cases but actually i can see how that would that would start to go through that and it just just picking up on your story with that that how that affected you what was it that point was it i'm sure i read on your website it's it's around the birth of um of your first child where it starts to really come home
1: yeah yeah um I, i i despite doing kind of Parental workshops are, you know, kind of. There's an element of naivety on my part. You know, nobody'd really prepared me for becoming a, a new parent. That the weight of responsibility, the the additional time, or the time that you would lose from the things that you want to enjoy, that now would be refocused into 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 looking after a, a child and and being a parent. I was just completely completely caught like a rabbit in the headlights all of a sudden my 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 time to train and be outdoors my my ski trips all the things that i used to love doing all of a sudden were kind of like they, they weren't available to me and, and what i didn't realize is that my busyness in in sport uh, and in exercise actually was probably a bit of a tonic for this feeling of discomfort that i had inside myself and uh, you know i mentioned before that like, lots of men will run away from their problems you know uh, whenever I see an, an Ironman badge you know I, I often think well I wonder where that person has got 10 to 15 hours a week to train in order to go and do that Ironman mm. uh, and you know what, what is it the real motivation is it do they want the badge do they want the kudos or is it are they avoiding something in their lives and uh yeah for me kind of becoming a, a parent for the first time was kind of the the, the beginning of, of what can be described as a, as, a, as a breakdown you know as I spoke about I kind of manned up instead of opening up and uh, I realised I'd much spent 34 years pretending to be the person that others i felt others wanted me to be and uh, my success despite it being multifaceted both personally and professionally it was really superficial don and eventually when i started peeling back those layers And uh, I'll share this with you. It's actually actually a great story. So my wife and I were separated for around eight months and uh, kind of naively when we decided to rebuild our marriage, we went off to the Maldives on a bit of a make or break holiday. The idea was to take all our marital baggage to the Maldives out to the Indian Ocean, uh, leave all all that shit there and come back happily married. And uh, whilst it didn't happen that way, what did happen was a, a real moment of synchronicity that changed the direction of my life. So uh, I'm an avid reader, always have been. And uh, sat on this this white sandy beach looking out over the Indian Ocean. I was reading a book called Legacy. It's about the, the culture of the All Blacks and what made them the most successful sporting team in the world. And uh, a few sunbeds down, there's a, a guy, I didn't recognize him at the time, uh, but he was reading Chimp Paradox about how the mind works and how we got to manage our chimps to, to live to live our lives. And uh, he, he kind of leant over after a few days, Dom, and he, he said, we must be the only two guys in the Maldives reading self-help books. What's your story? And uh, I, I tried to bat him away with a bit of humour, but he, he, he was persistent. So uh, we ended up grabbing a beer, sitting on the beach. And and at this point in my life, you know, I'd never heard a man speak with such emotional expressiveness. Uh, I've got, again, a bit of an issue around the term vulnerability. I don't think men want to be vulnerable, to feel exposed. But if we're being expressive, which is a completely human thing to do, to express how we're feeling and how we're thinking, uh, I think that's a really healthy thing to do. So uh, this guy went on to share his, his life's journey, his story, how he had been a premiership footballer playing for one of the big London clubs, you know, living in a penthouse, driving sports cars, and how he had this kind of high-paid, high-flying lifestyle. And uh, after two knee operations, which hadn't worked, uh, he kind of spiraled into gambling and drugs and prostitutes. And, uh, you know, he, he, he shared his story, Don, with a real level of openness, one that I'd never experienced from my family, from time in the military, uh, or from anybody I'd ever met even coaches or mentors in sport. And uh, he, he turned to me on this on this beach, and uh, you could even see the, the tips of the reef sharks swimming around the house reef. Uh, and he said to me, the only difference between a grave and a rut, the only difference between a grave and a rut is the depth. And... Uh, at that point in my life, the most profound experience I'd ever encountered. And uh, I kind of walked back across the beach to my wife, Rachel. She was reading a magazine. And uh, I said, when we get home, I'm going to shut my business down. And uh, she sort of looked up but didn't say anything, and which was exactly what I needed. Because at the time, I didn't have any of the answers. Uh, but she fell asleep on the connecting flight from Dubai back to Heathrow uh, and I wrote an exit plan for my business and, uh, and 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 that was it. You know, I kind of pressed pause on an, an unfulfilling, um, superficial life and uh, kind of spent my divorce fund uh, on repurposing and retraining as a coach. I spent time out in the States. Uh, I spent time in London. Uh, I put myself on retreats and courses and uh, I, I started to really own my story and to share it with others in the hope that, you know, that. We can really do what my book is titled to rethink masculinity, because I think the gender conditioning that we experience as young men uh, and as young boys kind of sets us up to fail, particularly in the second half of our lives. It's amazing.
0: I mean, that story is amazing, but it it just shows how I mean, that's a very top top level, a massive impact on your life. But just speaking about something and like you said, you tried to bat it away with with a, a, a comedic response and which a lot of people will do of, yeah. of try and do that and play it down with humor. But actually once you started to open up and have that interaction with someone who's gone through, you know, in their own story, a similar rut of, it makes you go, okay, there's, it, it's just that it's t- that conversation. And then it starts a, a new journey that you're on today, which, which is amazing. And then that's you trying to have an impact on other people's, lives in whether it be online or in personal talks or one-to-one coaching and if we then boil that down to how can we think about that in a day-to-day life it's going for a cup of tea at lunch or coffee or going for a beer after after work or on the weekend with a friend and then having that no come on let's have let's have a conversation let's just chat about work relationship whatever for a little bit and then we'll talk about whatever else you know trying to integrate integrate it into into a full conversation and then it's just uh, you might have that on a, on a day to day level that breakthrough and just be able to feel confident talking about it. And like you said on numerous points, it's that masculinity element that makes you go. And I'm glad you defined it because I I was going to ask you about that of how do you define masculinity? And I, I like it as a sense of a set of qualities or traits that you hand down to the next generation. Because yeah. when I was when I was preparing for this and I was writing down the questions around masculinity and this, this, this podcast will be think will be uh, named rethinking masculinity. It can often be quite difficult to take because we, some periods thought about men as are men strong. They've not got any issues, especially your stereotypical straight white male. There can't be any issues. So then there you go through a period of holding back, internalizing everything and, and, then now it's gone the other way where we're starting to have conversations and actually think about men's mental health, well-being, how suicide rates are so high in men. And and again, picking up on what you've said before about it's not about competing priorities. It's not actually this is more important than this. It's trying to talk about male you know, rethinking masculinity, but also that doesn't detract from all of the other important elements because we talk about diverse diversification and uh, diversity and inclusion and female yeah. equality. It's all of these, these areas are so, um, important. So for you, what, what I could ask you again, what is masculinity? How would you define it further than the, the set of traits and why do you think it can be so divisive?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the reason it's diff- divisive is because almost we don't want to believe that what men of previous generations did no longer fits our uh, our model of society. You know this this kind of prioritization of our professional career being our strongest sense of identity uh, and our provision for our family being essentially security, mostly for financial uh, assents. Uh, you know, keeping up with the Joneses just meant pretty much that we had to just compete against the people that we even consciously or subconsciously compete against the people that lived in our immediate vicinity. But now with the, the, the prominence of social media, kind of all the things that we used to see as as, as, as kind of luxuries have now they're almost necessities uh, and, and I think that a lot of men are kind of falling through the gaps in terms of recognising that there's a, there's a real need to shift. And you, you touched on suicide there, you know, statistically the biggest threat to a man's life is himself, you know, under the age of 45. And that, that in itself, between cancer, divorce and suicide and loneliness and burnout, you know, there's enough evidence out there to really get our attention. And I'm not here with a message of hope. I never am. That's not my message, but I'm here with a message of change. Um, for me, what's fundamentally important about masculinity is that it matures, it comes into the 21st century. What worked for men of a previous generation no longer serves us uh, and, and certainly won't serve our sons and daughters, tomorrow's men's, men and women. We need to take responsibility for, for changing the narrative about masculinity. And uh, there's a kind of a, my my, my position on this is that it's kind of like when you get to a stage where you have an element or a sense of professional success, in that you can have maybe the the, the financial security to own a home and maybe have a few things that, that enable your life to to feel more comfortable. You know, there's almost a need then that you 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 change how you define your your future version of masculinity, and uh, and this is where we think of masculinity comes into its own because it's kind of a blueprint. The old blueprint doesn't work. What I'm suggesting, based on my my own experience and the hundreds of men I've coached, um, all from English speaking countries, but essentially from New York to New Zealand, um, usually men that are in their 30s, 40s and 50s that are kind of at a place where a professional success is causing consequence for them personally, uh, whether that's marital conflict, whether that's a sense of loneliness or a sense of uncertainty about their future. um, All of them kind of follow this blueprint that enables them to then really re-engage in their life in meaningful ways. Uh, And what it starts with, Dom? on the surface sounds quite selfish but it starts with prioritizing ourselves making ourselves a priority in our own lives you know bringing some awareness to the things that we enjoy having that the courage to to You know, not work through our lunch hour to take a weekend off to go and see friends that we haven't seen for a while to to really do the things, you know, even those self-care items that we spoke about earlier to do the things that enrich our lives. Secondly, to focus our time and our effort uh, on our relationships and to kind of reconnect with people uh on top of after that after making ourselves a priority and focus our time and effort on our relationships the, the next part then is to use our financial resources not to get caught up or deeper into the rat race but to create memories that we'll never forget to really add value to our lives and the people that uh, are kind of dependent on us and uh, Namely our children. And then at the top of that is continuing our professional success. But instead of making that the, the kind of the nucleus of our identity uh, and our sole focus and our prioritization to kind of recognize that actually it's OK to turn our emails off. It's okay not to reply to everything that comes into our entry. It's okay to say no. It's okay to delegate. It's okay to recognize that you know another, another promotion or pay rise isn't going to give us what we need because actually what we want is more time, more connection, more health, more love. You know, they're the things that are really important. And and this is my message that ultimately when you get to a place where you are professionally successful in a societal sense, it's OK. In fact, it's necessary to, to pivot your definition of success uh, and to make that, you know, particularly in the second half of our lives, to make that your priority. It's
0: interesting. A lot of the, the elements you speak about there is a lot of it's. it's... Communication and acceptance, acceptance of like you said, delegation or turning your email off, or just going—you are not going to be able to do anything all the time. That the weekends will be yeah. for you. That there is going to be yeah. time, time aside, and communication of again that 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 aspect of talking about things, whether it be to a colleague, a friend, a family member. And I am interested to hear your thought on this because I guess there will be some individuals, but men that for them, after a tough day or a, a tough life moment a deep breath sleeping a day off and then just going again will be good for them and that'll work for them and that'll work for forever for, for a long time but for some people that won't work and is it do you think it's that acceptance that actually for some people it's not going to work that they that the idea of man up they they can't just accept that that actually going and speaking to a therapist going and taking time away after burnout is actually something that should be accepted in society for some people it will work but it's not going to work for everyone i think that seems where where an issue sometimes comes from
1: yeah yeah uh, again that conditioning shows sh- 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 There's no definition of masculinity that means that we kind of feel either incapable of talking or inadequate if we share our problems. But But the reality is, if we don't make time for our wellness, we force to make time for our illness. And, you know, unfortunately, despite having a very healthy network around me of people that I could have tapped into to kind of share kind of my challenges, you know, when they were kind of almost, you know, smaller to manage on my own or with some immediate family and friends. I, I didn't choose to do that. Uh, and in that isolation, that shame-induced isolation, my problems amplified. And, uh, you know, to anybody who's listened to this, that's maybe got some, some life stuff going on at the moment, you know, the, the, the reality is that there's probably lots of people out there that, that love and care about you. And it's probably your inability to to express what's going on, either because of fear or shame or embarrassment that kind of keeps you trapped in this place of discomfort. And, uh, you know, I, I, I tried counseling. I found it was too passive. Uh, I tried therapy. I kind of felt it was too slow. And then uh, I, I in, engaged with a coach. Uh, and I found for me kind of, coming from an outdoor background, military and sport, kind of just wanting to find a bloody answer to this problem that I was experiencing. I found that pragmatic approach really useful. But but again, unless you try counselling, try therapy, try coaching, you, you won't know what the, the, the solution is to the challenges that you're experiencing. And kind of sitting in that space of inertia isn't going to change anything.
0: So I, I, I can imagine, and I have, have had friends that are aware that these outlets – signpost it there for yeah. uh, you know talking and going to see someone professionally to, to talk about their issues but actually it's the step to, te- to to knock on the door to drive to that location to pick up the phone to do it it's actually the step there to those yeah. signposted areas that can be quite tough so what's your advice for people that are struggling to take that step
1: just do it just do it Just pick up the phone, send somebody an email, just take that first step. And almost immediately, if the person that you reach out to is is competent and qualified, they will create a space where you feel completely safe sharing all of the stuff that's just beneath the surface uh and you know taking our hands off all the things that we're trying to push down and hide and and just letting it out Uh, and and sometimes i can come out it feels like you know we're emotionally vomiting over somebody but the reality is that when we let all of that stuff out it's a real sense of decompression and a sense of liberation and in that space is often where we access the solutions that will enable us to move our life forward so just do it stop procrastinating stop ruminating stop putting it off just Make the call, send the email, and I can guarantee almost that everything that you want, you will access through having one or two conversations.
0: Metaphorically, it's like jumping in a cold pool, isn't it? It's that that one little jump, and yes, it will be a, a cold water shock. But it, like I said, just just do it, and and having someone there with you to hold your hand to jump in the pool or to take you to the first session or two be available after you've had that first phone call with someone to, to, to just yeah. decompress with or have a cup of tea with that's, that's also very helpful as well. I've, I've found that I know people that said, Oh, can you come with me or have taken a sibling or a friend? Just, I just need that little bit of a, almost a push in the back. And, and that that's a massive step as well. So it's yeah, take big deep breath in, just, just do it. Going back to those five key challenges of masculinity. And there's, we could dive into all of them for, for a very, very long time. Yeah. But, I mean, there might not be an answer for this, but if we were thinking about it in that sort of chronological order and starting with workaholism and burnout, how would someone approach trying to cut that off at the source? And I know that's not how it works, but if you were trying to look at it in a simple fashion, workaholism, burnout, how do you, what steps you you take to... What approaches do you take to try and cut those potential issues off at the source of that area?
1: Yeah, so we're essentially taught what to think, not how to think dumb. And, and what a lot of us are never even really exposed to is the reality that our, our thoughts create our experience of life. And um, something I often show with my clients is that our life follows the direction of our strongest thoughts so from this kind of formative age uh, I call it the myth of masculinity the belief that professional success equals personal happiness so almost everybody's trying to get a place where they can be happy in their lives Uh, and for most men there's a belief that the way that they get to happiness is through professional success through kind of the the kudos of their position through earning more money so they can have these luxury items that enrich their lives but the reality is that our beliefs then drive our behaviour so how we think dictates how we feel how we feel dictates what we do and what we do over a period of time creates who we become and the reality is if we change our thoughts you know around what it is that success looks like to us we almost by default then change our life trajectory and that within the term will change our behaviours. So if we step away from thinking that professional success equals personal happiness and then we start to realise that actually spending time with good people, being outdoors, investing in our health is actually, you know, and our happiness is where success comes from. And we start diarising that into our diary, you know, and making those things a higher priority. And I know people might be listening to this now and being, you know, fairly sceptical thinking, well, that's really hard to do. Like the thing that makes change hard is our ourselves it's our resistance to letting go of that part of our identity but it's kind of like what got you here isn't going to get you there and that's why so many men kind of fall into this trap in midlife and uh, i think it's a real travesty so to, to, to answer your question i think that <clears throat> i'll share this i'll share this i think it's probably relevant to our to our conversation um I asked a, a client um, earlier on this year, a really good guy, uh, keen, very keen snowboarder, uh, is actually now able to take his, his son snowboarding at an age where they can kind of uh, re- really enjoy the, the sort of winter pursuits. Uh, I asked this client, he's a great guy, um, I said, over the money, what makes a man's life rich? And uh, over the money, what makes a man's life rich? And uh, within a few minutes, th- this guy, you know, he. He got really emotional in, 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 in this question because he realized the things that make a man's life rich, uh, for him in this case, we were just outside his home office. It was his wife, it was his sons, it was his dog, it was access in nature, which was on his doorstep. And uh, he realized that because of his prioritization of work and being a partner in, in the company that he was a part of, that actually he, he was financially rich, but he was poor in so many other areas. Uh, and it was in that moment of realization that kind of shook him, that gave him the ability to kind of re- repurpose his sense of, of success. And, uh, you know, this is going back sort of six, nine months now uh, and seeing the tangible changes in this guy's life because he decided to redefine what success for him meant in this next chapter of his life, allowed him not to step away from his his corporate career, but enabled him to really invest his time, his effort and energy into the people that really make his life rich.
0: Well, wow, it's interesting to hear that, of especially that idea of what makes him happy or what provides that richness aside from money is the other side of his work office in his house. Really, yeah. really interesting. So that's that's the source of workaholism, burnout. Jumping to the other end um, of people that unfortunately would have gone through that process, or you know might have gone through that that element, and then where actually they have fully gone through divorce and they're in a different chapter of their life how can people start to take steps to try and regain some i don't know what the right phrase is control might not be the right phrase but some happiness and to take forward steps after potentially having been through all those negative processes
1: yeah, yeah, but forty-two percent of marriages end in divorce now, which is another statistic that's you know it's really hard to to to, to reconcile because you know the 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 collateral consequences of divorce are, are, are multifaceted between not just financial but also emotional, and then there's the complexities then of kind of moving on with life, uh, and that's why you know I, I think that. The outdoors and my, my, my uh, introduction to you came from being at the outdoor expo last year at the, the NEC, which was fantastic. You know, never have I been in a space for, for such a, a, a low value ticket price where I could hear so many people sharing their, their journeys, not just their outdoor journeys, but of their lives. And, uh, you know, people talk about how success leaves clues well so does failure uh, and I think if we get so caught up in the way that society defines success that we can almost because of statistics and data we've been sharing here Dom you can almost guarantee that you're going you're gonna to result in some kind of failure that's going to impact your life but on the flip side of that success can leave clues and when you look at people that spend time outdoors they're fit they're happy they're healthy you know you don't have to have a weathered face and spend that much time outdoors to benefit from from nature but you know I really believe as I said earlier movement is medicine um, and you know create some space for yourself you know put it in your diary you know if if your if your life is dictated by your your diary or your calendar put space in there for yourself you know a couple of hours a week go and walk go and talk go and spend time with good people go and do things that uh, add value to your life And, you know often we 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 make the barrier of enjoying our lives exceptionally high. You know, there's going to be parks in cities. There's going to be places that we can get to probably within an hour of our, our houses. You know, just get out there, move, connect, to 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 spend time with people that are, you know, potentially further ahead in, in their journey. I and mean, maybe a journey that you're on now and maybe, you know, tap into their knowledge, understand what is it that's enabled them to be successful, maybe after they've come through an adverse or an uncomfortable experience
0: there are so many men that are going to get so much value from this conversation, but I also want there to be value for partners, siblings, kin, other friends to take from this as well. That might not be a man, but also to get value. So how can people potentially identify support, be a part of that process if they're not a man going through this, you know, these issues that we've spoken about?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, you know, a, a lot of people, um, particularly ladies, are, are, are finding that hard because when they see their the husbands or their partners or their colleagues or their siblings kind of with those obvious signs of stress or irritability or, you know, an, an inability to be present uh, and in the room, you know, it's it's really hard or it can feel really hard then to to kind of to help those people. Um, I think a common mistake that people fall into is trying to fix things for people, trying to give them answers and solutions. Well, I, I think a, a real better thing to do here or a, a more useful exercise is to create the space to, to have a conversation and, and and sometimes the best way to start that conversation Dom is to share first about maybe a challenge or something that's uncomfortable or you know maybe that you know wouldn't be an, a, 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 a superficial topic of conversation and you know after you've shared what's going on in your life behind the, the, the fake smiles and the, the, the facades of everything's okay you know the likelihood is that the other person then might have the capacity or the incentive to share what's going on in their life so instead of trying to fix and to, to poke and ask sure first create a, an environment where then somebody else might feel safe to share what they've got going on uh, and just just keep opening the, the, the keep opening the space up you know ask them ask them kind of to invite them into that space
0: rethinking masculinity i'm, I'm aware of time but yep. who who's this book aimed at because it, it will provide so much value to someone who is identifiably in those sections but also for someone like myself who is relatively at the beginning of their career who might not be aware of all of this in the form that we've spoken about it is providing a lot of value for me of potentially identification and signposting and understanding why where either myself or a friend might be starting to hit you know that burnout point or other er areas of loneliness or poor mental health so is that, that the idea behind it? It's actually, okay, you can get value as a 50-year-old man who's been through that hamster wheel that we've spoken about, but also it will provide value for anyone?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think... You know, the, the subtitle is uh, A Modern Man's Guide to Succeeding in Life. So straight away, because of the the, the content of the, the buckets, it really is, you know, it's a, it's a point of reference for any man that has either experienced a setback, finds himself stagnant in, you know, in the second half of his life, or is perhaps questioning, is this it? Um, but then more laterally, uh, I've had a lot of interest from HR directors that are kind of looking at their senior leadership teams, which are predominantly still in this day and age male, kind of looking at, well, how can we get our team's our, our, our male teams to perform better and instead of trying to drive the performance through metrics and KPIs but how can they become healthier and happier and, and how will that translate into the bottom line in a workplace but it's essentially it's a book for anybody that cares about men whether that's as themselves friends colleagues siblings loved ones wives uh, even mothers uh, for anybody that has an interest in, in enabling men to, to, to live health, happier healthier and more fulfilling lives
0: and a funny photo that I saw on your social media, that I would, which has an important message, is um, burying your head in the sand. And it was a person yeah, yeah. Down, burying their head in the sand. And whilst it's a funny point and a funny image, it has an important message with it, which is quite literally if you bury your head in the sand and if you block out all of these thoughts and internalize everything, that eventually it will build up and build up. And I just wanted to get your comments on that
1: yeah yeah i uh I, I, sometimes i refer to that middle age of masculinity as kind of the silent majority you know there's so many men out there that just aren't enjoying the lives that they've created because they don't talk about it and they bury their head in the sand that uh you know in the hope that when they lift their head out like an ostrich all their problems will have disappeared you know unfortunately that's not how life works uh, and often the avoidance compounds the problem that people are experiencing so uh so yeah kind of don't be an ostrich you know get <laughs> get, get get outdoors
0: and I mean, there's been so much to talk about that uh, just before I ask, you know, your for your advice for the next guest and also where people can go to find out more and about Rethinking Masculinity. Tell me about Men and Mountains, because, again, that's a whole section that we could have had half an hour on. But tell me what it is, how people could get involved and and where it came from and why it's so important.
1: Yeah. Uh, so very succinctly, it's a community of like-minded men that recognise and um, the importance of taking time out from the the pressures and challenges of modern-day life to walk and talk and connect with other like-minded men in nature. So uh, our geographical hub is in the Brecon Beacons, and I, I I live an hour from the from the Beacons, so it's my kind of uh, my backyard, so to speak. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we meet on Sunday. It's run through a WhatsApp group. At the minute, there's about 380 men uh, that are a part of Men at Mountain. Uh, they don't all walk and talk at the same time. Uh, I think our biggest walk was forty-four men. Uh, there's no cost, no commitment. People can come uh, as the either as a, a point of importance for them or as the diary allows or dictates. But but ultimately. It's a peer group, and what we find in that space when we're walking and talking, it's not so much about the fitness, although people do need to be able to cover sort of eight to 10 miles off-road off on delayed terrain. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a place for for men to, to share the, their experiences, and, and what we find in that space of shared experience and understanding is that it almost becomes more permissible to, to share kind of the problems or the challenges that men are experiencing. And uh, and our last walk in November uh, the, the the question or the topic of conversation was what is a challenge or a problem that you feel that you need to lean into before the end of the year uh, and to hear you know men that are you know kind of stereotyped as being you know not being good at talking sh- sharing their experiences either marital conflict challenges in work uh, parental issues you know there's all these conversations were coming to a surface and um, because men felt safe and able to do so so I love it. You know, it was one of the, my favorite parts of the month when there's a body of men gathered and you can feel that kind of nervous anticipation because all they essentially know is that the start point and roughly we'll cover eight to 10 miles. Uh, and then we kind of go off on this adventure, uh, you know, usually off piste, um, staying away from the main sort of tourist spots of the Beacons. you know, finding waterfalls or re entrance or little gullies or, or being out on the side of a mountain and no one else is around us, you know, and uh, doing that. And then, and then, obviously, the pint at the end on is uh, is very refreshing and, uh, and and rehydrating oh absolutely
0: i can i can imagine so definitely uh social media and google have a look for that if that sounds of interest to find out more but then also rethinking masculinity and just you dan where can people go to find out about the book and which which contains so much more and builds on so much that what we've spoken about today
1: thank you don yeah uh, my website is the best place it's better hyphen men.uk better hyphen men.uk and uh, on there then people can join men mountains there's a very simple registration um uh, form on, on a web page uh, and also with my book as well uh, i didn't realize this when i was writing uh, writing rethinking masculinity uh, but 65 of the the cost of a book on amazon goes to to jeff bezos mm. so uh yeah, kind of it, and uh, and now because of uh, the pandemic and war in Europe, the cost of a paperback, a new paperback that's recently published, is uh, between eleven and fourteen ninety nine, which is exceptionally high. So it's on my website, and I'm asking people to just cover the postage. So if people sign up for the book on my website and pay the three pounds to post it, I'll send them a copy at no cost to themselves. In that sense, so uh, and that you know, and that's it's not just a, a marketing gimmick, Don. For me, it's really important because I think that if we don't rethink masculinity. The men of our generation, ultimately, we're going to pass on the same challenges to to, to tomorrow's men and women. And uh, I think it's a real travesty when we look at the you know statistics around burnout, divorce, you know, um, suicide. It's just it's, it's it's not toxic, but it is dysfunctional. And we all have a responsibility, both the men of today and the society today, to to really address this.
0: Absolutely, and for that reason, that's why I wanted to get you onto this podcast to talk about this important topic and and thank you so much for providing that insight and tangible things that people can take away i think that's so important as well so thank you for for jumping on the podcast i appreciate it and make sure you go and check out more stuff about rethinking masculinity um men and mountains and dan as well but the final thing from you that i would need is i gave you a piece of advice at the beginning uh is a piece of advice from you dan for someone coming on the podcast in the near future
1: I'm going to show a quote and uh, I'm going to make this gender neutral, but it's a Confucius. There was a Chinese philosopher. Uh, Confucius said a man has two lives. The second begins when he realizes he only has one. So what I want to pass on to the next guest is that as human beings, we have two lives, but the second begins when we only realize we have one.
0: That's amazing. Dan, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you, Don. It's been a pleasure the end of episode five of season seven of the outside and active podcast thank you so much dan for coming on to the podcast and chatting through all of this amazing uh, amazing rethink of masculinity and how we should view it differently uh, really interesting for myself as as a, a youngish man to to hear but i hope there's something that everyone can take from that podcast again thank you so much for listening if you want to know more about the outside and active podcast and outside and active in general then head to our website outsideandactive.com. loads of different inspiring and educational articles you can also listen through the back catalogue of the podcast episodes there thank you again to our sponsors of today's episode Zenbee and man broadbent you can check out more in the podcast notes and with that Have a fantastic week. We'll be back again with another episode. And until next time, enjoy the outdoors.